0: The Streams podcast. We're back. Season 8, episode 1, but really it's episode number 213 since uh, Cross the Streams launched. And 32,000 plays later, we're still here. And I know, in the grand scheme of things, in the most popular podcasts across the nation, 32,000 is an episode, right? But for us, 32,000 with our little side project, amazing. Um, It's uh, been an awesome experience and excited to be back and, and, and trying to do this for another season as we go. Kip, I'm gonna be, I'm here, I'm solo this year. Hope to get Kane back as a guest for a couple episodes, but new job, defensive coordinator, University of Nevada, Reno, you know, hashtag Renovation24, hashtag Battleborn. He's reunited with head coach Jeff Choate, and uh, they've had a great professional and uh, personal friendship, and they're trying to do the uh, reimagining and the reawakening of the Wolfpack down there in Nevada, Reno. So with that new job, he doesn't have as much time. For the old pod, like we were lucky to have him last season in season seven, kind of back in the co-host role. But we'll, just, like I said, I'll be here all year and uh, trying to get Kane when we can. Now, setting the stage in this intro, if you're new to the pod or you're you're returning to us, we'll most likely have in our formatting and our overall framework, we'll have at least one version of our most popular reoccurring segments. Uh, you know, listen up, useless, useless full information, reading out loud, maxed out on maxims, maybe even some more left-coast stories. I enjoy all those. It lets me connect with friends um, on the pod. You know, David Gunn has been doing listen up with us since season one. So we'll for sure at least get one with him. Coach Jack Martino, uh, the maxed out ma- on maxims lets me riff a little bit on cliches I'm tired of hearing. And the left-coast stories that we started last year was fun because I get a platform D3 coaches on the West Coast that I have a lot of respect for. And having been one of them, uh for 20 plus years it's fun for me to be able to amplify their programs and the work we're doing so we might see some of those but for the most part i'm going to shift the vision a little bit of of, of across the streams and i'm going to focus more on the dishing on the drive length target which is 15 to 20 minutes uh for each episode and staying in our lane with calling men in And repeat, reassure, redirect. And and the reason for that with those two main focuses is number one, calling men in allows me to really dive into some teams of men's stuff um, and really dive into the passion and what I'm doing nowadays, which is trying to help uh, empower coaches and men and dads and sons across the country to a reimagined version of a positive masculinity in reshaping and allowing folks to break free of the man box, which I'll dive into a little bit later. But it also it, it's something I'm good at. It's something I have a lot of knowledge in. I'm growing in. And I've got a an odd uh, a selection, a cohort of people that I work with now that I come across that I think are awesome guest potential um, and can share a lot of activating thoughts and uh, viewpoints. Uh, so that's the focus for the calling men. Obviously, we'll get Jeff Maschusita and Carly Rohner back as well, having them having been my my uh, regular repeating guests in that frame. So they'll be here as well. Um, but that that's what calling men is going to be a staple of what we do. And then the next one there is repeat, reassure, redirect, which is a direct tie into the Cassione Foundation, which is the other... You know, main focal point of my days these days is that Kane and I started in honor of our father Cass and his battle with Alzheimer's and are trying to raise money to fight Alzheimer's and all forms of dementia through the Cass Ion Foundation Golf Tournament. And we've expanded and grown uh, what the... KIF does. You know, we're into the scholarship landscape now for right now this year the 2024 Castle Foundation Launchpad Scholarship is going to help building Skyview Class of 24 graduates uh, post-secondary plans and journeys and we, we were able to do that because of the success of the launch of the Castle Foundation Coaching Solution Seminar Series. Uh, we did that through football uh, coaches in Billings two weeks ago in February and we'll be doing it again right before the golf tournament uh, in July with basketball coaches. So we're expanding and growing and what the Casion Foundation does, But the core of that is that repeat, reassure, redirect series where we're platforming voices in the fight against Alzheimer's and dementia, whether it's doctors, researchers, caretakers, patients, uh, and really trying to give them uh, our platform to share their stories, their struggles, their breakthroughs, their successes. Um, So that's, that's where we're going this year with the pod. Like I said, you'll see some of the stuff you're used to, but also you'll notice a more heavy lean from me, especially since I'm doing it solo this year on those type of topics, a new reimagined manhood, and then anything that has to do with our mission with the Cass I Own Foundation. Um, as always, you can find us throughout the year on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, our Twitter, um, our Facebook, and our Instagram. Most of those are just cross-the-stream podcasts. I believe on Instagram, we're CTS underscore podcast. Uh, but if your Apple feeds are set up to get us recurringly, I'm going to try to do it bi-weekly. That's not a promise. That's an attempt from me to do it bi-weekly. Which is, you know, I I should say that we're a reoccurring podcast. And I learned this today in trying to write the script for today. You know, recurring, R E C U R R I N G, versus reoccurring. I didn't know if I was just saying the name wrong, saying the words wrong. Or if it was actually like something in the English language. So I Googled it, like right, like we all do. Uh, and recurring is repetitive consistency. Reoccurring is it does repeat itself, but doesn't happen to be on a schedule. And so I think Cross the Streams is going to, I would love it to be recurring every two weeks. It'll probably be reoccurring. And I'll for sure try to get you guys one a month, if not two, uh, as we go through it. Because as I said in the past, the podcast is a great vetting space for me it's a great growth and unlearning space for me especially when we bring guests on to help challenge and reshape some of the ideas i have about things and it's also a connection point for me with people i love and people that i want to hang out with and talk to and if even if it's only for 20 minutes on the pod it's better than months and months of nothing besides a text here or there so welcome back season eight episode one but really episode number 213 for cross the streams podcast. Cross the Streams podcast is brought to you by teams of men. Uh, We exist to empower coaches, to enlighten male athletes, to the potential of a reimagined manhood. And one of our main modes of interaction with people out there listening to the podcast that can get involved with teams of men is through our Humanity Team Report newsletter. And the Humanity Team Report isn't just any newsletter. It's a comprehensive guide that comes in both print and video formats. So we can email it to you or you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. And it's tailored to fit your preference. Each edition is packed with insightful articles, impactful stories, and actionable strategies to help dads, moms, coaches, young men, Evolve their belief systems and their ideas of what a healthy manhood could be. To subscribe to the print version, the email version of the Humanity Report, visit our website, teamsofmenllc.com, and click on the tab Humanity Report. To subscribe to the video format, just visit our YouTube channel at Teams of Men and click subscribe. All right, first, I want to clean up this first segment. I want to clean up a question from a mailbag episode that we didn't get to do uh, last summer. We had sent out requests on our social media platform for folks to, hey, give Kip and Kane some questions you want to hear them answer in a mailbag episode on the pod. And we got great ones. I think we got like 26, 27 submitted questions. But one of the main ones that were, was specific to me, since I can't answer uh, the brother questions that were targeted for Kane or for Kane and I together, was Kip. We know, having known you, a lot of the followers of the pod, that you were at Willamette. And then we know in the spring of last year, you let us know that Willamette decided to go in a different direction with the men's basketball program. And you keep talking about your work with teams of men throughout the pod and throughout uh, some of our, our social media stalking of you. We know you do teams of men, quote, air quotes, right? Teams of men. But what exactly is it? And now that you're focused full time on that as your career what do you do man that was like the synopsis of what teams of men is. so i thought i'd take the first couple minutes here of this episode especially since teams of men is sponsoring the podcast now and you'll hear some of the advertisements throughout throughout the uh, year teams of men is the result of me doing intentional purpose character development around a reimagined manhood for 10 years at willamette with my men's basketball team So I've told you guys the origin points below but before, so I won't bore you with it here, but I, I was shocked out of my doldrums of scoreboard curriculum as a coach when I was probably 32 years old. I think it was year two or year three for me at Willamette of the 14 and a half I was there. And some incidents were happening where men were committing harm on campus in the Salem community. And I did not want my guys doing those things. But I knew that I hadn't done any specific targeted work on their character on who they were as men outside of basketball i was totally reliant on hey if we win then we'll stay humble if we lose we'll stay resilient but really i'm going to dive into the scheme uh the tactics and the schedule for weights and film and that's how i was engaging with my players and you guys know our parents our dad cast our mom rhonda lifelong educators teachers mentors pillars of the community they had raised kane and i both that hey you get to do sports is pri- sports is a privilege in sports is an extension of life. And if you're going to be a coach, if you're going to be part of a team, that's your family. How are you making your family better for the long haul of life, not just that Friday night game? So long story short, I changed. And teams of men was the byproduct of me walking across campus to talk to Carly Roner from our Calling Men In podcast. Um, and really say, Carly, I know you're the expert in gender violence prevention on campus. You're the Title IX coordinator, confidential advocate. Help me create a system for my guys not to be committing these harms. And in doing the work with Carly for the first couple years, I started off in in an area where I was doing a lot of don't, 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 and I was putting up rules and signs, and all the rules and signs were rooted in don't, don't, don't. But as Carly and I dove into the work, I recognized that just saying don't or just putting up a, a board that says we're good dudes wasn't enough. And then as I continued to learn and evolve, I recognized that all the harms that men cause with their words, with their hands, with their actions, Most of them are rooted in this false idea of living to the damn man box and the man box is coined by Tony Porter, the founder of a call to men and what the man box is and it plays into some of the rest of our episodes later today as well. The man box tells you that you can't cry or openly express any emotion, you can't name emotion, you can't experience emotion, you gotta be a stoic robot. If you don't, you're a pussy and you're soft and you're weak and you're not a man. The man box tells you that you have to always have power and control and assert dominance over women and other men in all various phases of life, including bed notches, bedpost notches in your sex life. You You can't be committed, you have to have multiple partners, you're hardwired to screw everything that walks. And the man box tells you, if you don't, you're not a man. You don't fit. You cannot be anything close to feminine. No, no ideas, no aspects of you can be associated with the feminine. Can it be associated with homosexuality? Because then you're not a man. You're a pussy. You're a fag. You're all these horrible words that men use. You must be heterosexual. You must be tough. You must be athletic. You must be, have strength. You must have courage. And you must make all decisions solo and you don't need anybody. If you do that, if you rely on everybody and if you're vulnerable, if you have emotion, if you need connection, you're a pussy, you're soft, you're all these awful things, you're not a man. So in knowing that and learning about the man box and the trappings of it, I designed a curriculum that over the course of four years, a player for me at Willamette was required to undertake learning, unlearning, and expanding who they wanted to be as a man. I did not tell them who what a man is, because that would be me enforcing Kip's version of the man box, but I did tell them what a man can be more than, and that was the man box, how we could see it, how we could destroy it, how we could blow it up. And in doing that, in the Teams of Work framework, and when you enrich their ideas of what manhood can be, what positive masculinity can be, and all the authentic new places it can take them, in emotional fluency, positivity, healthy relationship skills, they also become change agents against gender violence. They become survivor advocates rather than survivor blamers. Um, And so that's our theory. We did it for 10 years at Willamette, and over the course of doing it at Willamette, we got national notoriety as a program. And because of the great work of some of my young men, embracing it and giving presentations in the community, I ended up speaking at the NCA Diversity, Inclusion and Equity Forum in 2019, which opened my eyes to other people, other athletic departments, other programs, other teams, wanting some help in doing the same work I was doing. And i recognized this could be a business. This could be an opportunity for do something I'm passionate about, activate other coaches to this work, but also make some damn money. So I had started it in 2020 and was doing teams of men's stuff. I had clients, not a ton, but I had enough time in my day to decide, besides being the coach of a men's basketball team. I was given Zooms. I was doing some speeches. I was helping coaches re- retrain their brains and adapt the framework that I believe in. Um, and then once obviously Willamette made the decision, it was a natural for me to sit down with Kelly and say, hey, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to chase teams of men full time. I'm going to make it Something that I think I can make another career out of, that I think I can expand and create another team, another army of teams of men, trained coaches and workers and presenters across the country. And we can really change how we show up as coaches in these spaces with male athletes. So that's what I've been doing. A lot of it since uh, going full time with it in May has been a ton of public speaking. I think I I think the last time I checked all through the rest of the last six months of 2023, I think I had a thousand fifty total audience of people i'd spoken to whether it was athletes coaches parents of athletes administrators athletic directors and we'd expanded from just like hey this niche of college basketball teams to middle school through power five football basketball heavy number of teams but also with the lacrosse team with a soccer team with the baseball team with the men's volleyball team um and we'd really i we'd grown awareness of the brand that's where we're at you can find us across a, a lot of uh, social media platforms uh, we've got Instagram, we've got a Facebook page, our Twitter's our number one spot, TikTok, YouTube. We're everywhere, LinkedIn. But I also, I've been trying to learn the business, right? Because as much as I enjoy being the sole voice of Teams of Men, because you guys know I'm a very willing messenger, I like to talk. Being the willing messenger doesn't always make you the right messenger. And sometimes your message isn't what's needed at the time. So trying to expand from Kip gave us a speech. See you later. Thank you, sir. Here's your check to Kip gave us the speech that sparked the fire. And the coaches on the campus embrace this, whether it's at the middle schools, all the way through the Power 5 clients we have. And they do the work consistently the way I used to do it at Willamette, which is about 25 doses of teams of men, content, material, meetings, discussions throughout a season. Um, Because I know from the from the education I've got from smart people across the prevention and healthy masculinity industry, gender violence prevention industry, that it takes about five doses to even begin to let change in behavior, change in thought take root. So if we can get to 25, we're really setting the stage for some men on awakening and, and opening themselves up to some different version and a, a better version of themselves as a father, as a husband, as a person um, and also a better person for the people around them. So that's Teams of Men. Uh, teams of Men, LLC.com is the easiest way to go get it. We've got a strategist now. We've got great relationships with some other business partners that are helping us grow. We're speaking at a lot of conventions. We're speaking at a lot of places. Um, there's 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 good things on the horizon. Obviously, it's not where I want it to be yet, but that's Everything with me, right? Uh, But I do have a passion for it, and I do have a belief system that coaches have such a unique opportunity with this work. Coaches get kids every day, mandated to come to if they're part of the team. They get kids wanting to come because they have other men in those team rooms that they want to see, they like or love. They trust the coach as a mentor and a person, a trusted voice in their life for. Uh, pushing them towards something. And they also go to these sports and these teams expecting to be challenged, expecting a demand on them that taxes them. And we can use that formula, which is so rare in a man's life. I'm, I'm where I want to be to have fun I'm where I want to be with people I love. I'm led by somebody I trust and I showed up wanting to grow. We can really utilize that not just to grow quarterbacks and power forwards and starting pitchers, but great human beings. Uh, so that's Teams of Men. That answers the Mayo Bay question. And we'll be right back with a current event that I think really displays the need for this work and something I want to keep talking about in platforming on the podcast. All right, we're back. Cross the Streams podcast. And yes, something I say in my Teams of Win work, which also applies now to the pod, especially with the lens we're taking with a lot of the pod sections, is current events. Never fail to give you curriculum and current events never fail you get fail to give you content, right? Half the huge multimillion dollar industry of media consumption is based on current events or some shit show going on and you can utilize that shit show to learn. Um, and this one I wanted to take because I, I usually you know I engaged with this in my written form one of the one of the strategies for growing teams of men is showing up in conversations online which sometimes are great, healthy conversations, and sometimes it's me having to show up and call out bullshit. But this one was something that one of my favorite athletes currently and one of the people I think is actually authentically learning and growing and unlearning and unloading in in real time is Damian Lillard. I don't know if there's a more authentic athlete out there, more honest athlete out there. And in a recent uh, interview, Dame admitted that life in milwaukee's lonely you know he just got traded from portland out here where he was a idol for so many people out here in the portland area it was a devastating day when dame got traded uh but he admitted you know I'm, I'm lonely in milwaukee i don't really have much of a life he said you know i go to practice i go home i watch boxing i play video games man i type in fight hype which is a boxing website on youtube 100 times a day and be praying for something new to be on there seriously i don't have much of a life So that's an authentic vulnerable moment. And reminder to everybody out there, transparency and vulnerability are not the same thing. Transparency is sharing something accurately. Vulnerability is sharing something accurately that you know by sharing somebody could hurt you with the new information. So this was a true example of vulnerability from Damian Lillard. It was awesome. And it's not normal. Athletes are conditioned now, honestly, to avoid vulnerability and protect themselves to only share cliches. To only share platitudes and get through the interview. Dame doesn't do that. Dame's usually very real. That's why they call him the real one. Right? But my problem is not with Dame sharing that. That was awesome that he shared that. My problem was the response online. And the response online was bathed in man box bullshit. And I'm going to give you an example here from at Gary Sheffield Jr., who I believe is a professional baseball. I think it's Gary Sheffield's son, professional baseball player. Uh, it could be Gary Sheffield himself if he was a junior. It's Gary Sheffield Jr. And he responded to Dame, quote tweeted Dame's you know vulnerability and said, Could you guys imagine having to make $400,000 a day for a maximum of 48 minutes of work and then having to drive to your 30,000 square foot home in your Lamborghini to play video games until you're ready for bed? Hang in there, brother. So exceptionally sarcastic um, response to Dame. And honestly, something 10 years ago, 12 years ago, before I had to undergo my own journey and start my own journey of unlearning a lot of the stuff I believed about masculinity. I probably would have tweeted some smart ass bullshit like that, too. Um, But that I couldn't disagree more with that take now, because what Dame Lillard sidebar, which isn't even a sidebar, relevant, relevant context to what Dame's going through he's going through a divorce. He's going through a move across the country. And he's always been a West Coast guy. He was in Portland for 12, 10, 12 years. Now he's moving across the country. And maybe even number one on that list, he's away from his kids. He's got three little kids. So quoting his salary means you equate happiness with money. Stating how big his house is, the square footage of his house, means you equate happiness with material possessions. And guess what? If you listen to our previous session, that's classic man box nonsense. That's classic entrapment and use of the, the walls of the man box to try to box Damian Lillard into who he should be and how he should feel, or rather how he should never feel. Instead of meeting him with compassion and empathy over real struggles that would floor any of us, being away from your kids, transitioning out of a long-time romantic relationship, moving, being solo, all those are real pulls on our emotions. This person, Gary at Gary Sheffield Jr., wanted to check Damian Lillard back into the bullshit of the man box. Yo, bro, you're not a real man if you don't think that money's enough. Money should be enough. Your house should be enough. You should go be able to find happiness and find release with your video games and your big house or your fancy car. When Dame just expressed to us How much nonsense the man box is. Because he has all the trappings that you are raised to believe you need as a man. Status, fame, wealth, dominance, space, cars. He has all that. And he's telling you right now, I'm not happy. And that's an awesome moment. Not for him, how he's feeling, but in sharing that. Because so many young kids need to know that. When you arrive to the pinnacle, the man box is a lie. Because when you achieve all the things it wants you to achieve, and you feel empty... It doesn't allow you to feel that emptiness. It doesn't tell you that once you achieve one thing, you need to achieve two or you suck again. And if you achieve two, you need to achieve four. And you have to keep multiplying yourself and keep proving your bullshit masculinity again and again. That's why it's called precarious manhood. Because I have to continue to up the ante in ways I'm willing to prove my masculinity. And for Dame to just say, I'm lonely, I'm tired, I don't feel seen, shit, I'm bored. That's a real statement. And the checking of that through the man box is something we should all fight against and something worthy of you discussing. If you're a coach listening, if you or if you're a man listening, you got a crew of friends, you got sons at home. You should use this story like, yo, man, would we, do we believe this? Would we say some shit like this to Damian Lillard? Would we tell him that his paycheck and his house size equal his emotional state? Or are we evolved enough? Are we open enough to real empathy? It's a great question. I hope you all can answer the right way. Cross the Streams Podcast is brought to you by the Cass I Own Foundation. We exist to raise money to battle Alzheimer's and dementia in all its forms, as well as provide launch pad scholarships to Billings Area youth after their high school uh, experience ends. To learn more about the ways you can interact with the Foundation, including our coaching seminars and our golf tournament, please visit org. All right, we're back, and I recognize we're a little over, right? We're one episode in, and my framework, I promised you guys that I'd keep it to dishing on the drive length of 15 to 20 minutes. We're already five minutes over, but that's what we do when we're in a flow state, everybody. Uh, This last segment, it's once again rooted in a quote I saw, two competing quotes um, that I think tie together in something that I want to talk about in the state of coaching in general. And I can comment on this, having lived it and having failed in a lot of ways at it, having succeeded at a lot of ways at it. Um, but seeing that both my experience as a coach and my experience the last four years, helping coaches across the country, I hear some pain points and I hear some of these frameworks that I'm going to share with you from a couple places. And it it leads me to a, a commentary I want to give you. So the first one has to do with, I'm a Cowboys fan, everybody knows that, but one of the coaches I respect a lot in the NFL is Mike Tomlin. Once again, I think Mike Tomlin is exactly who he claims to be. He's authentic, um, and he's not afraid of challenging status quo when when his interviews. When he is in the mood to give an interview, I think he gives genuine, thought-out answers, unafraid of speaking to cliches, right? So in one of these past interviews that I saw, and you can Google it, Mike Tomlin running from coaching, um, he talks about, he, he, he cherishes when he recognized an opposing coach or coaching staff is running from the coaching and he framed it around when I hear other coaches say, these are the shortcomings of a player and we can't have these shortcomings on the player. He hears in this guy doesn't do X, Y, Z. Well, he hears there's an opportunity for us to coach that guy up to doing X, Y, Z better. Rather than he, he doesn't, he can't do it. He's failed that in the past, so he's gone. Uh, as Mike Tomlin talked about it, you cannot run from the coaching aspect of coaching. Like my job is to develop and enhance your abilities, enhance your behaviors on the field, and in my belief, off the field. But you can't run from that. Otherwise, um, in a lot of ways, you'll get to the, the conclusion I want to show you. But that was in my head because on a similar day, there was a rash of posts across social media. And I think it was on the same day, the Boston College football. BC's head coach took the Packers defensive coordinator job and let's put all the money aside the money's really it's irrelevant to what I'm talking about and I don't think it played a huge role because if you're a head coach in the ACC you're making good money if you're the defensive coordinator for the Packers you're making good money but I saw a lot of people tweeting about hey this is the new landscape a lot of these college coaches football coaches Or would rather go to the NFL, you know, with recruiting, with alumni relationships, booster engagement, NIL discussions, media responsibilities. College coaching is a lot of work these days. And coaches just want to go to the NFL because in the NFL, you just get to do football. In the NFL, you just get to coach the players. So he'd rather go call the defense than do all the different things associated with college football coaching. And there was various versions of that take throughout the couple days. And I had bookmarked them all, and I I debriefed this with Kane a little bit because he does live that life, right? He's been since going from Montana State to UW, back to Montana State, back to Boise State, now to Reno. He's in the, the big-time college football lifestyle. and It is a grind, and nobody's... I'm not trying to paint a picture that it's not a grind. Obviously, it is. It was a grind to be a D3 basketball coach, much less his other places. But my part in the tie-in from Mike Tomlin is... The running from coaching, running from the opportunity model. And one of my my quality control coach for 10 years at Willamette, Kevin McRae, used to say, we can't be inconvenienced by our job. We can't have players that are inconvenienced by their role. And we as coaches can't be inconvenienced by what's required of us in this job. And running from that inconvenience really stuck out to me. And, And I say that because, number one, let's... Let's, let's grasp reality a little bit and let's challenge the idea that coaching in the NFL is simply calling plays. And I think a lot of people out there, and I'm not saying every coach that leaves to the NFL holds this mindset, but I think a lot of the general public holds the mindset of our most favorite pastime sport in the country, NFL football. Once you get to the show and you're with the Cowboys, the Packers, the Steelers, the Falcons, whoever you're with, you just get to call plays because they're professionals. So they just do what you say. I would argue it's probably even harder because they're grown ass men. They have families. They have their own belief systems. Some of them might be older than you, for God's sake. I, don't, I think you still have to find connection. You still have to be, you have to de- de- deploy and utilize all the best practices of coaching to find human connection to still get J.J. Watt or Dak Prescott or Patrick Mahomes to do the right things on game day. I think a lot of folks view the NFL or view what it is to just coach football, and this could be some of the people leaving as well, as Madden. Like what you really are looking for, if you believe they just want to get back to coaching ball and drawing plays on a whiteboard, that's Madden. That's a video game. That's where the players are going to do exactly what you say. They're going to execute it to the utmost of their ability, all-out effort all the time. And that, that's just not reality. If you want if you want that, where you just get a call plays and not have to do any of the other parts of coaching, go play Madden. Be a competitive Madden video game player. You probably won't beat the 13-year-old nationally ranked player anyway. Okay. Second, of, I mean, that's really, if you think about it, that's really the only place where you just get to coach the play calls is on video games. Everywhere else requires you to interact with human beings and have a plan and actually coach. Finally, if you take a look at the gluttony and the bloating of college football staffs, and I know some staffs are bigger than others, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. If I have a staff of 20 and he has a staff of 35, I'm obviously going to think I need more staff members. I, I agree. However, at every big time college football program, they have a thousand QCs, a thousand associate coaches, a thousand assistant to the blah, blah, blah coach. And they're usually tasked with tactical, schematic, video debrief, digestion, go watch our film, give me some more ideas. And I'm not saying these people don't work hard. I, I know they do. Kane was one of them. They worked their tail off. But how many of these staffs now? have if they're so worried about nil and retention and the new landscape and the new needs of the college player how many of these staffs of their 35 men that wear the polos and the awesome pullovers on game day how many of them are tasked with the experience of our program i'm part of the experience board there's three of us we're the experience board how many of them are given the title retention coordinator and I'm really got trying to get a pulse on what's the vibe of the team, the climate of the team, the culture of the team, and reporting back to the head coach so we can continue to make it a place kids want to be. We can well, How many of them are the emotional and connections facilitators, coaches? Because I'm not sure I, I know the technical ability, the tactical ability of so many of these coaches. I've seen them present. I've run clinics where these coaches get up and wow me with their tactical and schematical abilities. It's off the charts. But we all know that if your young man arrives to your segment and your breakdown drills with angst from intimate relationships, family relationships, angst from academics, angst from social dynamics on the team, he's going to mess up that drill. And he's not going to execute your play the way he wants to. So why do we need three more film digestions when two of those guys should be making their bones and making their hay in the retention world? of keeping guys excited about being part of our program, of getting a pulse on the climate of our program. We have the staffing at the major levels to do this work. I would argue at the lower levels. We have to coordinate and think about, do I need another person watching film for zone defense? Or do I need a person that's really glued into how we start our day, how we provide visibility for our players? Because I think I'm not saying you sacrifice one for the other. I'm not telling you that you sacrifice and hey, Kip, just because you didn't win the way you wanted to and did teams them in, everybody should do that way. No, I think there's smart coaches out there that can win this way, too. And I think the kids are being getting more and more agency to demand you coach in a holistic approach or they'll leave. They want to feel seen. They want to feel valued. And if you think the only way to do that is to give them playing time, well, then I would I would argue with you that you need to reevaluate. Okay, so that, that's, my, that's my current events, never fail to give us content. Mike Tomlin's running from coaching YouTube clip, absolutely must watch. Paired with, we cannot be inconvenienced by the realities of our job. And we can't run from an opportunity to deploy the people in our building on different tasks. The redundancy of tactical breakdown versus the opportunity of emotional connection growth. Across the streams.